you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. One of the difficult things for many believers is to be consistent long-term in their walk with God. To stay the path, to stay the course when things get difficult. And as time goes on, we tend to take for granted what we've been given. In fact, many of us, when bitterness creeps in, when complaining goes up in our lives, it's because grace is not on our radar. We've forgotten what we've been rescued from. We've forgotten the grace of God. We've forgotten how good God has been and only see the circumstances and not the gracious God behind those circumstances. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at the importance of being motivated by grace. Still motivated by grace. You see, the Apostle Paul was still motivated by grace. Even when he knew he's facing certain death, he was still motivated by grace. This morning we're going to be looking at three things here in Acts chapter 28. Number one, escaping death, verses 1 through 6. Number two, helping others, verses 7 through 10. And number three, living exclusively, verses 11 through 16. Let's start with number one, escaping death, verses 1 through 6. Now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. You see, Paul had just managed to survive shipwreck. The shipwreck that the experts were wrong in predicting would never occur. But they made it in one piece, though the ship was not in one piece. God's providential care for Paul, in turn, shows care to those around him as well. There was an immediate blessing to those that were around the Apostle Paul because God already had a final destination for Paul to make. The crew, with the prisoners on board, arrive on shore of an island called Malta. God had already determined in Paul's mind that he would make it safely to Rome. Even if it meant shipwreck and floating to an island. There is an appointed time for all of us, church, and we will not go any earlier than God will allow you need to be reminded of that. Paul had a final destination. 
Nothing was going to stop that. No storm was going to stop that final destination. This is the tension we'll be dealing with in the next series coming in February, navigating through the chaos. What's very incredible about this journey is that they all arrive safely on shore by either swimming or floating on broken pieces of the ship. Now, what did they have waiting for them? Well, they had natives that showed them, showed them incredible kindness in having a fire ready just for them. It almost reminds you of the story of Jesus when the disciples had a difficult time fishing and Jesus is on the shore ready with a fire and breakfast ready for them. You see, these natives extended kindness understanding their fellow man and the need that they would have. A point about kindness, which is many times very confused with another word, niceness, or being kind versus being nice, we're going to break that down a little bit here. You see, there could be much said about the difference between the two, but to simply boil it down, kindness in its biblical form has its root in God, who is kind. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 10, it gives us a good description, contextually, how the word is used says this, but God, who was rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus." For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The kindness of God is illustrated in his grace towards us. The kindness of God is illustrated in the sacrificial love that Christ has shown for us. In fact, the word refers to meeting real needs in God's way, in His timing. Hence, it's listed as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? Kindness is listed as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. With the believer... It is spirit-produced goodness which meets the need and avoids human harshness or cruelty. The idea behind the word when connecting to disciples of Jesus is one who has been moved by the Spirit of God and responds in a way that would reflect Him. It's not just a mere, I want to do something nice for somebody so I feel good about myself. Your typical acts of kindness are just acts of niceness. They don't care for the real need of a person. They're there to post on Facebook to let everybody know that you are kind today. That's not kindness. Kindness goes to the real need a person may have. Kindness is concerned about the other and not about oneself as Christ was. Ephesians 4.32 clearly shows us this. It says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. 
You see, nice people tell people what they want to hear. Kind people tell others what they need to hear. Hopefully, when dealing with a wise, biblically sound person, what they need to hear is what they want to hear. Hopefully, if you're dealing with a mature believer, when someone is kind and shares the truth with them, that's actually what they want to hear. Nice people do things to feel good about themselves. Kind people do things out of meeting real needs that others may have. They go beyond giving someone a couple bucks. They spend time. They invest. They invest in others for the long haul. Nice people want to be liked, so they never say anything controversial. If only modern Christianity understood that Jesus was the furthest thing from nice. That he was kind. He cared so much about the inner man that that's what he went after. Kind people care most about the truth. Particularly if they're grounded in scripture at the expense of being controversial at times. Now, some people are controversial and they're not kind. Don't, don't conflate the two together. Jesus was kind, but he was not nice. He said and did things that angered many. But when it came to meeting their deepest needs and our deepest needs, he always remains kind. Always. Many Christians view of Jesus as a sacrilegious, unbiblical version they've come up with in their own minds. Oh, Jesus would never say that about hell. But he did. Oh, Jesus would never confront my immorality. But he did. Oh, Jesus would never confront my greediness and my love of money. Oh, he did many times. The statements of Jesus about hell are viewed as unloving and not kind. And truthfully, they're definitely not nice. But they're very kind because they're getting to the deepest need every one of us has. A need for a Savior who will rescue us from the power and penalty of sin. Believer, what people need from you is not another Mr. Nice Guy or Nice Girl. They need a saint reflecting the kindness and goodness of Christ. And one which deals with the realities of judgment and eternal bliss, not just one or the other. Jesus would have strong statements about hell and also have statements about preparing a place for us. It's not either or, it's both. At different times, each truth may be needed to be communicated more heavily. To a suffering saint whose loved one is in glory, the victory is won. To the wandering saint, the truth of the chastening love of God for his own. Your loving people properly will not always seem right to everyone watching, believer. You're going to come across pretty mean to some people. You're going to look very harsh to some people. But if you emulate Christ properly, that's the kindest thing you could do. 
you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, if you're in tune with the Word of God, you will have direction. Listen, believer, do not take it on yourself to respond with just mere instinct when things come up. But be mindful of the Spirit's working. Paul here with the rest are shown incredible kindness by these natives. As they knew these people need warmth, they were just in the cold waters. Remember, this is around wintertime. Now what's incredible is Paul gathers some sticks for the fire as he gets to shore. Paul is not just waiting on others to serve him, he springs into action helping others out. Many a believer, if they had the situation of a shipwreck, would not be doing what Paul's doing here. They'd have a pity party. Don't you know, we've just been in this shipwreck. We barely survived. Doesn't face Paul one bit. Most of us would need our cup of coffee and a warm blankie. And we just continue listening all the things that we deserve because we've gone through something difficult in life. Paul gets right to helping keep the fire going. And as soon as he starts doing that, he gets bitten by a viper. Giving the natives the impression that although he escaped death through shipwreck, he must not have the best luck. And he's more than likely a terrible man, that though he may have escaped a storm and shipwreck, he couldn't escape a viper's poison while on shore. They had the impression that since this happened to Paul, he must have done something to deserve it and would more than likely die. Look, many of our consequences in life are a direct result of sowing and reaping. It's part of the process. We did something in the past that now comes back to haunt us. But sometimes... It's just a matter of providence and God's process in our lives, and we need to be careful when trying to judge that certain things happen in others' lives, whether or not they deserve those things. A saint comes down with cancer is not necessarily because they've been living a wicked life. A wicked life of debauchery or something like that. It could simply be God calling that saint home. We need to be careful to not assume the reasons for incidents in others' lives. We could be faithfully serving God and He could call any of us home at any time. Some saints, it's almost as if they're walking with God and God just takes them home. Shocks everybody around them. Someone dies in a car accident. No one saw that coming. Others, it's a discipline for not taking seriously what God has called them to. Now, as a side note, as you're reading this in the narrative, Paul did not intentionally pick up the snake and go, bite me, see? He wasn't trying to test God and show off his snake handling skills. 
unlike some false prophets like to do even today. Be careful, believer. Don't assume that because God's got it under control that you should take unnecessary risks in areas of your life. That is not the point here in this text. Well, if God protected Paul, I could be foolish and go go ahead and have a snake bite me. That's not the application here. God had a final destination for Paul and nothing was going to stop that. Paul also had a certain promise because he was an apostle, like the rest. That doesn't apply to you and me. We need to be careful that we don't assume that because God's got it under control that we shouldn't take unnecessary risks in areas of our lives where God is clear when it comes to our money, our relationships, even our time. Listen, you and I need sleep. To pretend that that's not important is not being scripturally sound. In fact, Jesus himself took naps. And yet so many people take unnecessary risks in the church and they go, I'm doing this for the Lord. And you're missing the practical. They were waiting to see Paul swell and just die. This man is wicked. He must have deserved this. But unfortunately, Paul Paul carries on without any complications. Uh, They then jump to the other extreme. Paul is a god. Look at this. He survived. Look, just because Paul was spared did not make him special. It was all the goodness of God and very much undeserved. Paul didn't do anything for God to spare his life here. It's all grace. Paul, who has helped here, joins in helping others. Number two, helping others, verses 7 through 10. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So Paul has shown kindness and escapes death once again with a venomous snake bite. What's interesting is Paul now has a reputation in their midst and is invited to stay with Publius, who seems to be the leader or head of this island, more than likely a governor of this island. Now this man's father is likely dying from Maltese fever, which was more than likely an intestinal bacterial fever. Now Paul and this is an important qualifier, who as an apostle most modern day apostles are not apostles. 
Anybody that wants to tell you they have the gift of healing that the early church had is lying to you? Because they had plenty of cases to exercise that the last couple of years. Paul, who was an apostle, prays and lays hands on this man, and the man is healed. By the way, the healing is instantaneous. This wasn't Paul going, listen, you know what? Come back when you have more faith. You need to have a little more faith, buddy. Then you'll be healed. This healing was instantaneous. Now, this prompts others to bring other people to Paul now to heal. They bring their sick who may have had the same illness or others similar to the Apostle Paul to be healed. Paul was about the business of helping others, knowing that it is how God himself has helped him. In fact, God had just spared him of death, personally. You and I need to be reminded what God's done for us before we can help others well. Those who were helped honored Paul and gave them all the necessities while they stayed there. Now look, there's a few quick pointers in this text I want us to see. Paul was treated as a guest, but that did not stop him from helping the host. So many are about the business of being served that they forget to serve when they have the opportunity to. Everybody's all, about me, give it to me. Paul has just escaped shipwreck is on shore, is cold, hungry, and helps with the fire. Paul serves with the calling of an apostle. He's able to heal the man because he was gifted by God to do so. Here's an important practical truth. So many try to help in ways that are only self-serving than really caring deeply for the needs of those around them. Do we help people so others are impressed by us? Or do we help people so that God is pleased by us? Are we going for the real need that people have? When we teach in school, do we do it because we care about the soul of the child and their well-being long-term and the practical implications of them making foolish choices? It goes beyond them talking out of turn. There are habits that are formed. There's the gospel at stake. Do we help others so that we ourselves are helped? Is there a selfish motive behind it? You see, Paul, when he healed this man's father was given others to now help. Others in this same predicament. Now listen, disciple of Christ, I want you to understand something. When God uses you and me to be a help in someone's life, others very similar may come along as well that need that help. And it may require more investment from us. 
It wasn't as if this one man is healed and that's it, we're done. No, there are others that are now brought to Paul. Paul, you healed this man. Can you help me out? Believer, there are so many of us that want to limit what God can do in our lives because we think it's too much and it's going to require too much of our time and energy. And I think sometimes we can go over the top. I agree with that entirely. But unfortunately, sometimes we miss opportunities that are right there for us. So many of us figure we've helped somebody, we're now done. I'm done. I'm done helping people. I've already done this a hundred times. I'm done. And God's going to bring somebody else in our path that needs that same help. And you're going to want to ignore it. And you're going to want to ignore it. But God's going to be very clear. You need to help them. And you need to ask yourself whether being faithful is what matters to you. But you don't know how much time it's going to take. Jesus knows. Paul knew. You want to talk about investment? Paul broke down in tears when people that he invested in did not live their lives properly. And we're upset because somebody we helped is not seeing immediate improvement right away. Maybe God's called us to a lot more than what we're doing. Paul is honored by these people for the help that he provides. In fact, his own needs were met by these people. That's what you see at the end of the text. They provided all that was necessary for Paul and his friends. When you and I serve God and others in the capacity that God's given us, he makes sure to take care of us. He will not leave us hanging, church. Paul is still going to Rome to be executed, right? That's still the final destination. But in the meantime, his needs are met. Why? Because he knows God has a final place for him. And before that, he is still called him to serve. When it's time to go, that's when it all stops, believer. But before then, God will be good and he will be gracious and he will make sure that you're taken care of. His time to depart had not yet arrived. God still graciously took care of Paul. In fact, Paul not only had his needs met, he even gets to live exclusively. Look at the next text. Number three, living exclusively, verses 11 through 16. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, we circled around and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Petuli, where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Apai Forum and Three Inns. When Paul saw them, He thanked God and took courage. Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. Check this out. But Paul 
was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Why is God so good to Paul? I mean, believe me, Paul's still going to have to be executed. But in the meantime, why is God so good to him on this? It's all grace, believer. Paul spends the cold winter months in Malta and sails off in a majestic ship decorated with the image of Castor and Pollux, twin sons of Zeus, and the moon god Led. They stop in Petuli, a Jewish colony, which apparently had a church there, and Paul was able to stay with them for a week before getting set to finish the trip to Rome. Now what's amazing is news had spread that Paul was arriving at Rome, and other brothers, disciples of Christ, travel to meet up with Paul as he's nearing Rome. In fact, they traveled many miles to see the Apostle Paul, meeting him at the marketplace and in the inn. By the way, this was a huge encouragement for the Apostle Paul, to see his brethren that labored with him in the gospel, longing to catch up with him as he was making his way to Caesar. As much as Paul was the one always encouraging others, He himself needed to be encouraged. One of the most common things you'll find among those that minister to God's people is with the amount of times you pour yourself out for others in need, you yourself need to be encouraged and strengthened by others. True for every person that ministers in the gospel. There's no exception. I could read you the articles I've read the last few months of pastors quitting in ministry the last few years. Overwhelmed by the pandemic, overwhelmed by loneliness, overwhelmed by the fact that their purpose now seems to be shaken. If the Apostle Paul needed encouragement, so don't ministry leaders and pastors. Listen, church, I know it's hard for you to believe this, but pastors have the same struggles with their calling as a non-layperson may have. We're just like the heroes in Scripture that struggled with it as well. People like Moses, Elijah, even David. We're all made of the same stuff. We're really not superheroes. We also struggle with insecurity, frustration, loneliness, anxiety, you name it. Anything you're struggling with, we also struggle with. Maybe to different degrees. Now I want you to picture Paul traveling back and seeing the brethren going out of their way to travel 30 miles to go see him on his way to Rome. Like these men made it a priority to come visit Paul. Like Paul had invested so much into the gospel ministry 
that because they knew he was coming to Rome, they went out of their way to go meet up with him. In a sense, they had an idea that this was it for Paul. Every member of the local church should be encouraged and admonished to keep going in their walk. It shouldn't just be up to certain people that we think need it. Everyone needs it. You see, Paul is given special privileges in living by himself with just the soldier there to watch. Giving him opportunities for guests to come visit him exclusively. As difficult of a season as Paul has just gone through, God has given him all that he needs. And even special privileges other prisoners were not able to enjoy. God truly took care of Paul. In our most difficult seasons of life, God will give us people along the way to be an encouragement. He always has and always will. It doesn't mean that we won't feel lonely at times. As Paul himself mentioned in other letters, that he felt that everyone had forsaken him. But this moment was one of encouragement to Paul. Because people went out of their way to come see him. Paul sure felt lonely at times. But God will take care of us as he did the Apostle Paul. So in conclusion, church, how has grace motivated you? How has grace motivated you? What are some things that God has spared you from? Well, one of the greatest, if you're a child of God, is eternal damnation. It's a pretty big one. That's the reason you are a member of a church. It's because God has spared you of eternal judgment. Don't you think that should be more than a small motivation in life? Don't you think it counts for something? To have eternity settled? Some of us have literally been spared from sure death even in this life. We've seen flashes of death staring us in the face. And God, for some reason, spared us and gave us another opportunity here on this earth. He's not done with you and me. He's not done just yet. There's more for us to do. I was encouraged yesterday looking at the verse-by-verse -verse ministry and realized that they had just lost their pastor one year ago. And one of the quotes I saw on their website, which I was very encouraged by, he says, while you're still on this earth, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, God still has a purpose for you in sharing the gospel. That's why you're still left on this earth. Believer, there are a lot of things that you think you're still on this earth for, but if you're a disciple of Jesus, that is your number one priority. Number one. Because of God's kindness toward you, are you now motivated to do more as a gospel witness towards others?
Do you seek to meet real needs in others? Do you go to the heart of the matter, believer? Not just saying a nice word here or there so it makes them a little happier. There are people that are hurting all around us. Do more than just trying to say something nice to ease your conscience because you said something mean. Grace should always motivate us to invest in others. We're willing to invest in others because we've been real, we realize finally what we've been blessed with. You're going to have a hard time investing in people the long haul until you realize how long God has worked in you. Most Christians that don't want to give up too much when it comes to investing in others' lives don't really realize how much God has invested in their own life. Either that or, you know, they don't really want to live for Jesus. They'd rather live for what they have. Their priorities are very off. Are you lending a helping hand in the ways that you've been gifted? There's one thing that I think is difficult many times in the church is to find what it is that you have been called to minister in. And sometimes there's these complications that people create by creating a big spiritual gift list and you pick from these and hopefully you figure it out and then you can serve another way in the church and if we don't have that category, we'll figure one out for you. Listen, there are some basic things that you don't need to have to go through an inventory for, right? You need to clean up somewhere in the church. You don't need to go through an inventory to figure out that that might be a place to help. Someone needs a hot meal. If you can cook, bring it by. If you can't cook, there's always a place you can pick up. There's a way to make things work. There are different ways to serve. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians like to overcomplicate it, and then because they overcomplicate it, they now say, well, I can't serve at all. That's too much for me to figure out. Realize that your help with one may help lead to a helping of others. I'm going to be right up front. I have faced this situation many a times where I know that if I invest in this individual, that God will send me others like them to now have to invest in by default. And unfortunately, at times, I've stopped myself from doing so because I knew how much work it would take to my detriment and the detriment of the kingdom of God. Parents, our children are worth investing in. Let's not forget that. Let's stop pretending it's so hard and realize that God's called us to this. In fact, I, I remember one author making a statement. Marriage is the hard part. Parenting is easy if you get the marriage right. Whenever you look through the passages of Scripture where you see the conflicts in homes... Starts at the marital level. You see that throughout Scripture. Especially if you've been reading through Genesis with us right now. You see the wonderful family complex. 
I encourage you to read. It's an excellent read right now. Although there's some explaining to maybe do with your children. God rewards those that are faithful to him with greater blessings even in this life. Paul got to enjoy more privilege here even though he was heading for certain death. And God, I am sure, rewarded Paul when he came into glory. Well, at least we know he will in the ages to come. Listen, realize the need for others' encouragement, not just your own believer. We all get wrapped up in our own lives. We're all waiting for someone else to check in on us. How frequently do we check in on others? Sometimes what may happen is the ones that complain the loudest in any context get all the attention. I've seen this so true in the church. And others who are quiet go unnoticed. Listen, just because it doesn't pop up on someone's Facebook feed doesn't mean there's not a need going on in a family. There are real tough situations people are going through. And some will air that right out there for everybody to see, and others are quietly struggling behind the scenes. Not everything is posted on Facebook by everyone. Not everyone is as well off as we may think they are. You and I must be reminded of what grace has done for us to then be the tools that God can use. Listen to what Alistair Begg says. Let us remember the loving kindness of the Lord and rehearse his deeds of grace. Let us open the volume of recollection, which is so richly illuminated with memories of his mercy, and we will soon be happy. Let's stay motivated by grace, church, by remembering what grace has done in our lives.